0: Welcome to the Who's Hooping Podcast, hosted by Sean Crow and Kari Williams, where we discuss all things UVA men's basketball. We look forward to breaking down the current team, what's to come in the future, as well as some of our favorite and toughest Wahoo moments. We plan to give you guys the content you love to hear, whether you're a diehard fan that's been around forever or you just found out about the team this past week. So stick around, lay back and listen to Two Average Guys tell you all about it.
1: Welcome back to Who's Hooping. This is our very first postseason podcast. Super pumped to be at this point in the season. Uh, Kari, how you doing?
0: Doing good, man. Uh, we'll break it down. But coming off a huge UBA win, I feel like every time we would get up, they kind of close the gap a little bit. So heart rate's definitely up a little bit. But overall, feeling a lot better than I was a few hours ago.
1: Yeah, definitely pumped to get that win. So. We had been hoping to get sort of an ACC tournament preview pod, but had a few things come up over the past few nights. So we ended up recording after the quarterfinal win that saw UVA, the two seed, defeat North Carolina 68-59. to uh, This was sort of a, a must-win game for UNC is what most people are saying. So kind of a little added uh, sweetness to the victory is that we very well may have ended UNC's season.
0: Yeah, it's tough to think about as a growing up a UNC fan. I'm, I'm holding on to hope um, that they could still find a way to eke it in there. Uh, it's a really soft bubble. It's really, really soft bubble. So they probably needed to win this game to give themselves a really good chance. I feel like a lot of things I was, I was seeing was they not only needed to win today, but tomorrow, and then probably make it to the championship game. Uh, The bubble is probably playing out a lot friendlier than I think anyone would have expected. So we'll see what comes down. Crazier things have happened on Sunday. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Syracuse team that gave UVA a uh, really unfortunate run, that Elite Eight team, I'm pretty sure they were holding on just barely come Selection Sunday. I think they were – it was either that season that it was – everyone was surprised to see Syracuse make it into the cut or it was a different year. But Syracuse, I definitely know at least within the last, like, 10 years, he's had a few of those. Okay, they're definitely not in, and then come Sunday, everyone's like, what was the committee thinking there? So, never say never, but it probably is not looking likely for him. Yeah,
1: as a Richmond guy, you know, VCU was in a similar boat that one year, and then they made a, a final four run, but that's what you gotta love about this time of year, is figuring out who's gonna get in, and then who's gonna make an unexpected run, but I would be pretty shocked if UNC makes it, but you do mention a, uh, a soft bubble. There were losses, you know, by Nevada, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, Oklahoma State. So a lot of teams on the bubble really not helping themselves out. Really the the main team that, that does seem like they've helped themselves out is Penn State. But other than that, a whole lot of bubble teams losing. But anyways, let's talk about our game. So we had a one-point lead, 25-24. Um, UNC kind of – held an early advantage the first 10 or so minutes of the game. We got off to a really slow start offensively, but then um, really, really picked it up. And honestly, going to halftime, winning by one, I was a little bit disappointed because it felt like we we outplayed North Carolina um, by much more than one point, I felt, in the first half. So, Kari, how are you feeling about the first half and heading into halftime?
0: Yeah, I mean, those first 10 minutes of the game were definitely probably the most frustrating – part of the game overall just watching us not being able to score i believe at one point it was a seven to three type game uh we were definitely trying to just get the lid off the basket they would turn the ball over or it'd be a held possession we'd get the ball we'd go down the court held possession back to unc so i feel like i think reese may have tied it up with free throws at seven or a layup to finally get there but we got the lead and i think right when we broke through that was when everything started just just the tide definitely shifted um, once we got to the under 10 mark in that first half. But yeah, definitely a slow, slow pace start, even slow for UBA standards. So glad we were able to pick up the pace.
1: Yeah. If if you ask me, the turning point in the first half was really Reese Beekman um, kind of making it happen on both sides of the floor. So he had a a couple of steals, uh, some great uh, individual defense that led to some fast break opportunities and it seemed that that really maybe relaxed us or, or opened the floodgates a bit on offense. He also hit a, uh, a three-pointer off the dribble coming off a screen, which was really nice to see. And, you know, Reese has been a pretty solid three-point shooter this year. So it's been, been great to see him grow his game in that regard, but also um, just to see him being so assertive in the first half I think is something that UVA fans have been clamoring for and it was really great to see. So, so yeah, going into halftime, 25, 24, um, we did kind of run into some foul trouble. So the big news of course was that Ben Vanderplaus broke his hand. We'll we'll get all into that after we finish this game recap. But um, as a result of that injury, wanted to focus on the big man rotation and, you know, Caffero had three fouls in the first, you know, like 24 minutes of gameplay, And then uh, Shedrick also had four fouls. So really we were, we were kind of running into some depth issues in the front court. We were a bit fortunate in the fact that uh, Armando Baycott was clearly not himself. He was, he was limping whenever he was in the game and really down the stretch of the second half, he wasn't even in the game. They went to puff Johnson and, and played a small lineup. So, uh, we were maybe a bit fortunate that Baycott was so limited, but um, what did you think about the job that uh, both Shedrick and uh, Kafro did kind of tag-teaming to make up for for the loss of Vanderplas?
0: Yeah, and before I even dive into that, I know you were talking about Reese earlier. I just went back to the play-by-play. Um, Reese either scored or assisted on 18 points for us in that stretch in that first half, so – reese layup reese layup assist made three layup assist 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 so from yeah so from the scoring started from him at the first free throw when it was nine to five so he hits two free throws to make it nine to seven and the next time there is a play where we score that does not involve reese beekman is armand franklin making a layup to make it 18 to 25 so about like a actually it's a Twenty point swing there, where there is some type of some type of positive thing being done by Reese Beekman to directly contribute to a score, not including the old fashioned hockey assist, the pass before the pass, or even whether it's just moving the ball. So um, he really had his fingerprints all over this. But in terms of performance from the big men, I thought we had a really great showing uh, from our bigs. Jaden Gardner was excellent with a double double today. Uh, Seventeen and ten, I believe, were his numbers. Um, had a really strong mid-range game going. Definitely showed the touch. was able to stretch the floor a little bit. Um, but, I mean, the hero of the story um, has to be Caden Shedrick. Um Coming off the bench, five blocks for the game. Uh, this man has been in witness protection the entire, like, last month. Still waiting to hear from Tony just more details about why he hasn't been on the court. You look at all the advanced metrics, everyone's saying, oh, Caden Shedrick, he's crushing it for adjusted offense, crushing it for adjusted defense. I've seen tweets talking about where UVA's top efficiency lineups and he's always mentioned in them. So it was great to see him back on the court and really just having like a, uh, WWE undertake the type performance, just back from the dead and really making a huge impact. So great showing from the bigs. And then Ryan Dunn also able to come in and provide some spot minutes and good defense too. So uh, just really, really good team effort to uh, just support the loss of Ben Vanderplas for the season.
1: Definitely. And, you know, you didn't really mention Cafro too much. I actually thought Cafro was quite solid as well. He did, of course, run into some foul trouble. Uh, picking up 3 fouls in 13 minutes, which, which uh, we're kind of used to at this point. But, but I actually thought he did a really solid job when he was in there as well. So kind of looking at the box score, Jim um, Gardner was the high man with 17. Reese with a very solid game, 15, 5, and 5 steals to go along with zero turnovers. Armand Franklin had a solid game as well. Um, only 1 of 5 from 3 but um, was five of eight from two and had 14 points. And then um, McNeely made two threes and Shedrick and Dunn both had good games off the bench. Um, You know, there were were a lot of foul calls on UVA um, throughout the game, but especially in the second half, some of which I didn't really agree with, but um, you know, it was good to see us fight through those, those foul issues and uh, you know, hold on. So, RJ Davis was, was the 24 point man for UNC, but we did such a good job with interior defense and really limiting everyone else on the team, except for him.
0: Yeah. And do you have a big shout out to uh, Cafaro. Um, yeah. Is it, I always get the pronunciation wrong. It's Cafaro, not Kafaro anymore. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I thought Caffero did an awesome job too. I mean, He did his role. He's a big body who, like, definitely gets in there, sets good screens, does what he needs to. You're not going to get anything really excellent from him, but his floor, I don't think I've really seen him play like he's never played outside of himself and, like, blown you away recently this past year. We've also never seen him disappoint me. So uh, there's a play where he had Armando Bacot pretty far out. Armando Bacot hit a pretty tough hook shot um, where it hit back rim and then popped straight up and came back down for a basket. But even just forcing him into tough shots like that, he played his role really well. So I want to make sure I do give him his flowers on that. Um, you know, the defense is excellent. First half, uh, UVA had a really strong interior defense, making sure the guards could not touch the paint. Um, UNC played downright excellent yesterday in their game against um, Boston College. Caleb Love and R.J. Davis had the type of game we'd expect Caleb Love and R.J. Davis to have had this year. Um, they played like the backcourt that everyone expected from the preseason number 1 and not what they've been doing all year long. Um RJ Davis though was excellent today with 24 points. Caleb Love uh played Caleb Love had a Caleb Love game. 11 points, 6 assists, shot 15 shots, hit 3 of them. Um he's just such an interesting player where he's always somewhat of a factor, where he's going to miss a lot of shots, but it's almost like you can't really force him to take those shots. It's you still need to respect him still need to guard him. So he is still a dynamic player. Leaky black had a pretty strong performance. And I think uh, it was great. Honestly, watching the battle between him and Reese Beekman, I know they weren't necessarily guarding each other always, or even really getting that much time matched up, but seeing a play from Reese on one and on the defensive side, showing why he's the player of the year, but then Leaky black showing why he finished second in voting and why people think he should have been player of the year. So it was kind of great to watch some of those individual performances, but Yeah, Sean, overall uh, with this game, what were your kind of just general thoughts on how UVA is performing and what do you think that leads to us uh, going forward?
1: Yeah, um, so, you know, coming into this game, I thought this was a pretty difficult first game for us in the ACC tournament. UNC is a team that we lost to less than two weeks ago and then playing UNC in a de facto away game at the Greensboro Coliseum in the ACC tourney. Um, and also losing Vanderplas, it's kind of a, a perfect recipe for a potential letdown game. So overall, I came away really encouraged by the performance here. Um, as you mentioned, I was, um, you know, probably most encouraged by the team defense. I think this is not one of Tony Bennett's best defensive teams, but they definitely had a, a defensive gem today. Um, and I thought, you know, did a really good job of, for that loss of Vanderplaus with, uh, Cedric and, and Capereau, um, both having very soft performances, which was really nice to see because those are two guys that have had very inconsistent roles in particular Cedric. Uh, so really nice to see them ready when they when their number was called. Um, so yeah, all in all very happy. And, uh, of course it'll, it'll bring a little extra satisfaction for, for most UVA fans. And, uh, hopefully ending UNC's uh, hopes of an NCAA bid. Um, So maybe with that, you know, Carl, we were originally planning on doing sort of an ACC tournament uh, preview. Maybe we can talk a little bit about what has happened so far and maybe preview the rest of the tourney with a focus, of course, on on UVA's draw. Um, So maybe just to touch on a few quick things. So on the other side of the bracket, Uh, Wake Forest had a buzzer beater to knock off Syracuse and then that was followed up by a really just bizarre kind of retirement speech uh, in the press conference where it wasn't really clear if Coach Bayon was retiring or not then the news broke shortly after that he was anyways uh, Miami went on to beat Wake Forest today in a very close game by only two points Uh, and then in the other quarterfinal matchup duke just looked amazing honestly and they destroyed Pitt. so uh definitely not liking to see how strong the blue devils are looking right now but uh what do you what are your takeaways from that side of the bracket kari and you know who do you think is going to emerge on that side and what scares you about a you know potential uh finals matchup with whoever's on that side
0: yeah so i mean it's been a really great acc tournament so far um the Tuesday slate was pretty strong. As you mentioned, there was, I mean, Virginia Tech had a good game against Notre Dame. Quinnipiac Post had an awesome game for Boston College. Georgia Tech had a close one against uh, Florida State, followed up by a strong Wednesday. As you mentioned, we have that Wake Forest, incredible shot to send Syracuse home. Pittsburgh playing well against Georgia Tech. And then some, just as UVA fans, we have to appreciate just an absolute NC State beatdown of uh, Virginia Tech. But really on that top half of the bracket, Duke looked extremely scary. Miami, when their offense got hot, looked incredible. Um, there was a stretch where Miami, I think they were pretty close with Wake Forest. It was like a two or four point game. Wake Forest would miss a shot. Miami came down and hit a three. Wake Forest missed another shot. They'd hit, come down and hit a quick two. Wake Forest missed another one. They hit a quick three. So in terms of just Wake Forest going 0 for 3 on a few possessions, Miami going 3 and 0 on a few possessions, and you just saw how it was, whether it was – Uh, Nigel Pack hitting a three, whether it was Isaiah Wong showing why he got player of the year, whether it's Jordan Miller um, showing just how dynamic of a scorer he was. I know I hadn't watched enough Miami basketball this year, but from what I saw today, they were an extremely dangerous team. And then Duke just an absolute obliteration of Pittsburgh. I don't necessarily think this game was as much about Duke dominating as much as it was. I don't think Pittsburgh really showed up well. I didn't really feel like every single play Duke just beat Pittsburgh's brains in. I just thought Pittsburgh looked like the Pittsburgh teams that Jeff Capel has had for the last like half decade in the ACC. So I don't want to take away from Duke. I mean, they hung ninety eight, they hung up ninety six points on Pittsburgh, and like Kyle Filipowski looked great. Tyrese Proctor had a ten assist game with zero zero turnovers. Uh, Dariq Whitehead, he had a really awesome highlight with a really tough and one. So, I mean, they're both really scary teams. I think I'm actually looking more forward to that Miami-Duke matchup tomorrow than our own matchup against. Um, as of right now, Clemson's up by six, so what could be UVA-Clemson? But, yeah, that Miami-Duke game is definitely going to be a barn burner and be probably a fan favorite for the evening.
1: Yeah, definitely must-watch must, must watch TV there. Um, glad to make those two teams have to, have to deke it out. If, uh, if I had to pick at this point, um, I would probably predict Duke to beat Miami. Just I feel Duke is probably the hottest team in the ACC right now, playing great ball. But um, you got to love the, the guards of Miami, but honestly, even the front court too with Jordan Miller and Norchad O'Meara. So that'll definitely be fun to watch. Um, so, yeah, shifting over to our side of the bracket, you know, as you mentioned, Virginia Tech. Eeked out a win over Notre Dame before getting demolished by NC State. Terquavion Smith had an excellent game yesterday, as did Jarkel Joyner. So their backcourt duo was looking very formidable. Um, and then Boston College beat Louisville before losing, you know, very badly to UNC. And then, of course, we beat UNC. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, we're going to either be playing Clemson or NC State. Is there a team, man? This is probably a dangerous question to ask because, you know, it opens a can of worms and creates some bulletin board material. But is there a team that you would rather play between Clemson and NC State?
0: Personally, um, with both of us having tickets for next round in Greensboro, I would prefer to play NC State. The reason being, everyone's going to probably recognize NC State as the sixth seed and not. Oh, being the underdog versus three-seed Clemson. But what I care the most about is actually NC State is ranked higher in the net rankings currently, and then with NC State being 37 in the net, uh, a game against NC State tomorrow would be another quad one opportunity for UVA, so... Really, just trying to pat that resume as much as we can prior to selection Sunday. So, NC State being a quad one opportunity to me is a lot more valuable than playing Clemson, which would be a quad two opportunity. Um, I don't see Clemson, if they beat NC State today, I don't think they'll be, unless they somehow go and went on by 30 between now and the next like 15, 20 minutes. I don't see them going from 61 all the way into the top 50 and being far enough in the 40s for us to win a game and then them not fall out. Uh, but I also don't see like yeah, NC State's just a safer bet right now. For will be better for a UVA resume and it wouldn't be a bad loss either if UVA did take the L. So yeah, um, more selfish interest for why I want it to be NC State. Um, but if it was more from like a matchup perspective i prefer to see Clemson. I think we handle the bigs pretty well, and I think on paper we do a really good job. Just Traquavion Smith, Jarkel Joyner playing well, Casey Morsell um, gets plenty of space to be a shooter, uh, with those two guys in the backcourt really freeing him up just to focus on one sole element. So I think we match it better with Clemson, but for where we're trying to go and what we need to see, I think NC State has to be the option.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Clemson is really in the exact same position that UNC was in, where they're they're on the bubble but most would say they're just on the outside looking in right now which I do feel a bit for Clemson because 14 and 6 in the ACC and almost any year that's going to be good enough to uh make the tournament but they just have a few bad losses really weighing them down you know they lost to Louisville this year had a pretty bad loss to South Carolina as well um so I do feel for them and for some reason I've I always kind of like Clemson's basketball teams, relatively speaking, you know, of our ACC opponents. Um, I like Hunter Tyson and and PJ Hall and Chase Hunter as well. So, but yeah, I mean, either way, UVA is going to be the favorite against either of these teams. So um, we'll, we'll see how the rest of it shakes out, but definitely happy to be in the semifinals. And um, yeah, we'll see who's crowned ACC champion this week.
0: So I'll put that back to you, Sean, though. So based on what you saw today against UNC, what you saw from Duke against Pitt and Miami against Wake Forest, uh, listeners do not be fooled by the 74-72 box score for uh, Miami versus uh, Wake Forest. It was an absolute ass-kicking. Um, excuse me. Uh, but beatdown, I think it might be the first curse where we dropped in this pod. So I might have to update uh, the clean description for the first time ever. But uh, it was not a two-point game. They were thoroughly whooping... Wake Forest, and they were just able to close the gap a little bit. So, um, But between those two games that you saw from opponents and what you saw from us, also what you're seeing right now from Clemson and NC State, if it was us versus Duke or Miami in the final, who do you think would be your favorite to win it all so far based on what you've seen?
1: Man, uh, you're putting me in a tough spot here because, I mean, so far it's hard not to say that Duke has looked like the best team. Um, but you know, it's hard for me to say as a UVA fan that I would predict Duke to win the tournament, especially potentially against us head to head. But I mean, I guess objectively speaking, I would probably say that Duke might be my pick as of this moment.
0: I don't blame you. I'm gonna have to fade you on that one because I think actually, I really loved what I saw from Miami. I just think the way their roster is built and constructed, and how those, how their five is able to play, get up and down the court and score in spurts. I just think that was like the element that Pittsburgh did not have today. I know Duke's been playing really well on defense. Um, and I know Miami's actually just terrible at defense. Um, but I think I trust Miami's backcourt and their roster to score and make it a more, I expect them to bring the punch. To Duke more than Duke will bring the punch to them, and I think that's exemplary to the beatdown they suffered in Coral Gables when Miami and Duke played, and then the squeaker that Duke was able to produce at Cameron Indoor. Uh, I would say that Cameron Indoor is definitely a more difficult venue than Coral Gables, so um, I think I like Miami in this one. They're both really hot. I don't know when it happened where Duke became like the hottest team over Miami, but. Uh, they're both really talented. Hopefully UVA can have a really strong performance tomorrow night to flip my confidence. But right now I think I got to go with Miami.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Well, hopefully we're both wrong and it's near those teams and it's UVA at the end. But regardless, tomorrow night will be a very fun doubleheader and then a, a fun championship on uh, on Saturday as well. So um I guess if we're if we're talking about like seeding for the NCAA tournament, uh, the win tonight was big. Um most bracketologists have us on that four line right now. We're probably one of the, the last four seeds. So we're kind of, we don't have that much of a margin for error uh, before slipping to a five. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't really get too much help today in the fact that uh, teams that we're kind of competing against in that seed range all seem to win today. So Xavier eked out a close win. Um, Iowa State had a really big win over Baylor, um, Tennessee won um, today. So when all is said and done, Kari, do you think we stick at the four line? Do you think we – I feel like we can't go any lower than a five by beating UNC today, but do you think we stick at four? Do you think we rise to three? Do you think we uh, fall to five?
0: I think – oh, that's a tough one. So – We tweeted from the account earlier today some of the big games that were happening today, Miami versus Wake, Duke versus Pitt. Those games matter a ton because essentially this reminds me of the 2019 season where Duke won the ACC tournament and then the entire year UVA was favored above Duke. I think going into it, we were higher in the AP poll, higher in all brackets, and then Duke won the ACC championship and everyone kind of said like, hold up, wait a minute, and then Duke ended up getting that overall number one seed. Um, I feel like it's a similar vibe with Miami and Duke right now. If they were to win the ACC tournament, I think that they would flip and surpass UVA on paper. Um, So their games today were pretty big. Definitely wanted to hopefully see one of them lose to ease a little pressure, but that didn't really help us. TCU versus Kansas state. It's kind of a trap game where Kansas state could be catchable. So you don't mind a Kansas state loss, but a TCU win. TCU is also right at our heels. So um, if Kansas State doesn't drop too much, now you're kind of flirting with this TCU overtake us. Uh, Marquette versus St. John's. St. John's kind of let a great opportunity slide. Um, they wouldn't have made the tournament, I don't think, and they're not on pace to, but it would have been great for us. Iowa State versus Baylor. We're not going to catch Baylor. That's when you want Baylor to win because Iowa State could catch us. So Iowa State's resume gets a little bit of padding. UConn beating Providence helps them. Xavier xavier was down for 38 minutes and caught up at the last two to beat DePaul. we just like all the things that could have gone our way today just absolutely did not um and there's still some results that could happen later tonight that might be beneficial but i just think we needed a lot of luck on our side it's funny unc got all the luck with the bubble being soft we did not get the luck with uh the three through five seed being soft so I think we're going to stick at that four spot, but definitely we'll put out some more info on what Friday's slate looks like. I think Friday's probably our last chance to snag that last three, um, depending on some chaos occurring. If things chalk up, then I think we're pretty stuck at that four, and if we win the ACC, we get a better four seed.
1: Yeah, so I might go out on a limb here and say if we win the ACC tournament, I think we're going to have an opportunity to potentially get up to a three seed. Um, But I do – say that for now I'll, I'll have a sticking out of four but um, but yeah so I think next segment Kari that we could talk about is the big news that dropped today which was Ben Vanderplas. Uh, pretty similar to the DeAndre Hunter broken wrist of a few years back we unfortunately had Ben Vanderplas today come down or well actually yesterday in practice came down with a broken hand it was announced that he's going to be out for the rest of the year um, seems you know based on today that it might be a by committee approach kind of between Caffero, uh Shedrick and then Dunn getting more minutes but I'll also note that UNC is a pretty big team with Baycott at least so uh, you know depending on who the opponent is might see more Ryan Dunn. So Kari first off how detrimental is this loss of Ben Vanderplaus second of all or second of all, how do you think it will impact how we play, you know, in the ACC and NCAA
0: tournaments? Well, to answer the first question, let's just go ahead and burn Isaac Trout's uh, red shirt and bring him in off the bench right away. <laughs> if he's As Man. good as he's supposed to be, he won't even be around for that many seasons anyway, so he may as well just use one of them right now. But um, on a serious note, <sighs> he's a great player. He's a great glue guy, but, It's almost like the parts and pieces that he does, you have to kind of go and get from others. And I do think those parts and pieces can be recreated and implemented with others playing at a high level. The shooting, he was shooting at a 30% clip. So the three-point shooting isn't necessarily going to be a big loss there. Um, What I think is a huge loss from him is really the ability to make someone think he's going to shoot the ball. You see it when we run the offense with Ben Vanderplas versus Caden Cedric. Um, when they catch at the top of the key, and we talked about this at an earlier pod, but like just the threat to actually turn and look at the basket to attempt a shot. We all know Caden's not going to shoot that three, probably not even pulling up for that deeper two mid range that Jaden Garter might. So I think it just makes it a bit easier on defenses to guard not having him on the court. But I think from a defensive perspective, Ryan Dunn's a better defender. Offensively, maybe we see more small ball, and we slide Armand into like a hybrid four slot, and we have McNeely, Reese, Armand, and Isaac all on the floor together, which would be our best four three-point shooters on the court at one time, and then surround them around Jaden Gardner. Uh, It might be tough for us to find a time to use that lineup. I think the only way to get away with that is if we saw Miami in a final. not going to be able to get away with that with DJ Burns for NC State or like a PJ Hall, Hunter Tyson for Clemson, and definitely not with a Kyle Filipowski. But uh, with Miami's big only being six, seven, you might be able to get away with it. I know he's a bit thicker at 240, 250, but um, could see more small ball um, or smaller ball than what we've been doing before. Um, and the second part of. I guess just what does that impact for the team? You brought up DeAndre Hunter in the beginning. I want to say that the only way comparison to DeAndre Hunter is that they both broke a bone around their hand or around their wrist. These two are in no shape or comparison, the same type of player. Um, ben VanDeklaas, great player. Happy to have him this year. Definitely a difference maker, but he is not a, you know, top five NBA draft pick type prospect. Um, this man is probably going to go play pro overseas or, you know, he'll have a great, job somewhere doing something like a day job like me and you do but either way like these are two very different individuals I think UVA ceiling is definitely still I don't think it lowers too much it's just a different fundamental aspect that we need to overcome and it's are going to be overcome by going smaller and bringing up bringing Isaac McNeely into a four guard lineup around one big at whether that's Jaden Gardner or Caden Shedrick or it's a defensive improvement with Shedrick being able to be a rim protector and Gardner sliding into that four, um, or you bring in Ryan Dunn and then have Gardner at the five, and then you still have that dynamic defensive presence. So um, it will really will come down to how talented Tony Bennett can be on his side with these matchups – the wizardry of the play calling and then also how do we just adjust on the fly? I think it'll actually force him to play with his tool chest a bit more than he has been recently with uh, BVP playing about 25 to 35 minutes a game. Yeah.
1: Um, so I would just say first off, definitely feel really bad for Ben Vanderplaus. Um,
0: Fair. I should have started with that.
1: No, no, you're good. But um, you know, just think about the human side, like, transferring from Ohio to Virginia, this is, you know, one of the main reasons you do it is for this time of year to, you know, be on the roster of a team that has a chance to make a deep run. Um, So definitely feel for him, especially with him being a a fifth year senior and this is his COVID year. So this is definitely the end of the run for him. So definitely a tough pill to swallow for him. Definitely feel for him, but it was nice to see him on the bench today. Flashing his smile, supporting his teammates. So I think you can tell he's a really well-liked teammate. Uh, there's some great interviews that the UVA Twitter account will po- uh, post. He loves interviewing his teammates and uh, seems to be really well-liked. So definitely feeling for him. But um, And, yeah, definitely a loss, I would say, in terms of shooting and, and floor spacing. Um, I do think, you know, this – opens the opportunity for Ryan Dunn to get some more playing time. And then also for Shedrick and Cafro. Um, I do think it'll be a bit matchup dependent, you know, depending on who we're playing against, what their roster looks like. So we didn't really see that much more Ryan Dunn than we're used to against UNC today, but uh, hopefully there'll be some, some more opportunities going forward to see more Ryan Dunn. So, um, so yeah, I mean, all in all, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think it I don't think it lowers our ceiling too much, but at the same time it, it is a loss, but it might open up some opportunities for, for these other guys. So you know, you we'll see, see what happens.
0: Do you see in any world where Tony Bennett burns Isaac Trout's red shirt just for like oh. the next game to make up for BvP? Man, I I I
1: don't want to see that. I mean I can't wait to see Isaac Trout play but have him sit out for like twenty nine games. We don't need we don't need another Joey Baker situation where Coach K burned Joey Baker's red shirt like to play like the last four games or something like that. We we don't need that.
0: I don't know, man. If it comes down to us making like a sweet sixteen elite eight final four, um once again, if he's as good as he's supposed to be and as talented as everyone thinks he's going to be. I don't think he stays all four years anyway. So, you know, what's like, what's four games for a national championship. I mean, Kihei gets a lot of props for being able to help us get that national championship. So, I mean, if Isaac Trout can bring us a final four with a red shirt being burned, I think we would make that trade 10 times out of 10, but we'll see what happens there. So before we dive into our last parts, we're going to break down, um, obviously with the ACC tournament, what always happens as well, right before it is we get the ACC awards. Um, I think some of these are a little blasphemous. So me and Sean are going to have some reactions to how the teams were chosen and who won some of these awards. Um, but before that, Sean, I know you mentioned if we won the ACC tournament that you think we'd have a chance at a three seed. I'm curious on your side, who do you see us being able to jump or having to push out in order to snag um, those three seeds? So for the listeners, right now the teams that um, are pretty squarely in front of us uh, – Kansas, definitely. Alabama, definitely. Houston, UCLA. Uh, Baylor's probably still in front of us. Texas, probably still in front. Arizona, Purdue, uh, Gonzaga will probably stay in front. And right now, I can see Gonzaga as a three seed. Uh, so those are nine teams that I don't think we have any shot, no matter how well we play in winning a title, that we have any chance of jumping. So I am curious, if we won the ACC who do you think is the three seed we'd have to overcome and does that require a little bit of chaos on their side?
1: Yeah so for me the most likely candidate here is Tennessee. If you look at Joe Lenardi's recent bracketology he's still got Tennessee as a three seed but man they are coming in to the postseason really wounded and uh, kind of limping to the finish here. They've really not looked all that good lately and they also lost uh, one of their best players to and ACL injury, I believe. So they're kind of really limping to the finish line. They play Missouri tomorrow. I think that's a game where if Missouri wins, I think that um, definitely kind of opens the door for us where if we um, win the ACC tournament, I think there's a pretty solid chance that we could, you know, overtake Tennessee. I mean, if you look at the AP poll, I know AP rankings are obviously different than – NCAA tournament resume, but AP poll has UVA ranked 13, Tennessee ranked 17. Coaches poll has UVA ranked 11, and Tennessee ranked 19th. So that's kind of the the most likely three seed I see as um, being able to be overtaken.
0: Makes sense. What else kind of helps support your theory, I didn't really think about this, is that the Big East's as a conference are in a great spot. Uh, seed-wise, terrible for some of these teams where you can only have one Big East champion, which means either UConn, Xavier, or Marquette has to lose at some point, and two of them have to lose. Uh, so you can lose a little bit of security there. Um, so, okay. Actually, looking back at the bracket, I do see that there is a pathway to it, but definitely needs to require... Uh, Winning the ACC tournament but with that being said Sean I'll take it over to you so we had the ACC awards come out um, this past Monday um, the quick highlights of it ACC player of the year was Isaiah Wong from Miami um, the rookie of the year was Kyle Filipowski from Duke uh, defensive player of the year was Reese Beekman coach of the year was Jeff Capel Um, Most improved was Quentin Post from Boston College. And then sixth man of the year was Nike uh, Sabande. I can never pronounce his last name, but always love the first name of Nike. Needs to go on our list with uh, Dane Danger and Flo Thamba for uh, sickest names in college basketball. But, yeah, uh, we can break down the first team and the all Freshman team and those things as we go a little bit along, but... Just overall, Sean, for the individual awards for coaches and players, any thoughts with those? Do you think they make sense or anything that you would want to change or improve upon?
1: Yeah, so in terms of, like, the players of the year for the different categories, I think they got it right for the most part. Um, Player of the year, I think Isaiah Wong is a very fitting choice. Um, You know, for a while this year it seemed like it – It could be like Armando Baycott um, or perhaps Tyree Appleby from Wake Forest. Uh, Those two did finish second and third. But I liked the fact that we're seeing the player of the year go to the best player on what was probably the best team um, in the ACC regular season. So player of the year, no issues for me. Isaiah Wong, great player, great choice. Um, Was happy to see him win it. Rookie of the year, yeah, I mean – I mean, kind of a no-brainer. Kyle Filipowski again. I think they got it right. Um, defensive Player of the Year. That one, you know, could have gone either way between Reese and, and Leaky Black. Obviously, as a UVA fan, I'll I'll say that I think Reese deserved it over Leaky Black. But really, you can't go wrong between those two. Um, and that vote was pretty close at twenty-nine to eighteen, with uh, Jesse Edwards at thirteen in third place. So. Um, And then, yeah, coach of the year, Jeff Capel, it's hard to uh, make a case against him where Pitt came in something like preseason 14 or 13, and then they were the one seed up until the last game of the year, and then we're only one game out of the one seed, but just uh, lost out due um, uh, due to tiebreakers, so lost out of the first round by um, finally, Sixth Man of the Year, again, not to be a broken record, but I think the media made a good choice with Nike, Sibandi. Um, ben Vanderplaz, um was actually the second runner-up um, for Sixth Man of the Year, so that was nice to see as well. But, yeah, as far as those individual accolades go, I, I'd say no complaints for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to agree for the most part. I agree with the winners. When I saw the actual vote counts, some of the ones that kind of surprised me, um Tyree Appleby getting second uh was kind of shocking I get and the margin that he got second compared to third place and fourth place I completely understand that he led the ACC in scoring and that he also led the ACC in assists but I mean Wake Forest had a putrid finish to the season they finished 10 and 10 in the ACC they came out really strong but just really really faltered down the line and I was surprised to see him get as many votes as he did, but not see, like, uh, Jaquavion Smith be there as well. If you're going to, like, reward someone for being the best player on, like, a – NC State arguably is – not arguably. NC State, without a doubt, is a better team than Wake Forest, and their best scorer could not get a single vote. Jarkel Joyner did end up with two points in the voting system – But it's kind of funny to me where it's like the best player on an average team getting a lot of votes and accolades, but you couldn't get that from a different team that ended up being better. So that was one thing that kind of threw me off a little bit that I didn't love. um, But overall, it should be fine. Um, And then really slim margin, but Jim Laranega finishing in second for Coach of the Year voting with points over Brad Brunel. Um, Jim Laranega, congrats to Miami for winning the A.C. But um, a lot of the preseason polls, if I recall correctly, it was UNC to finish one. Duke to finish two, UVA to finish three, Miami to finish four. So he finished tied first with UVA. Um, So both teams did about two, three spots better than expected versus Brad Brunel having to really get Clemson in a spot to finish at third. So I just feel like Brad Brunel did a lot more with what he did, and throw back to uh, Jim Behan retiring and calling everyone out for buying a team. Uh, Jim Flair might actually have one of the few teams that actually was purchased to play with uh, Nigel Pack um, having the well-noted NIL deal to come to Miami, and then Isaiah Wong threatening to leave Miami unless his NIL got re-upped. So really the yeah. only person that can probably get some like <laughs> actual sh- getting votes it's a little crazy to me versus brad burnell where all the players had really awesome jumps within a year and i think you kind of have to attribute that to really good off-season work from his players but also good coaching this year so um those are my only two complaints the winners i think got it right but just seeing some of those second place uh finishes were a little surprising to me oh and then bvp counting as a sixth man at this point he had played so many games as a starter in the ACC, I didn't really think that made sense. I really thought Derek Whitehead should probably close the gap with how he finished out. But those are my gripes with the individual awards. Sean, I'll lead it off with the actual uh, first team, second team, third team placements.
1: Yeah, so just quick note about the whole Miami thing. Uh, funny enough that the main booster they have there, he actually is kind of starting to come up uh, with potential – infractions and violations so you know the the Cavender twins the you know uh viral tiktok uh twin sisters that transferred to Miami they were kind of caught up in the in the the whole thing and I think the woman's head coach in Miami got suspended a few games and that main booster I forget his name's like John Ruiz or something like that I believe so yeah yeah he's uh he's starting to starting to draw the uh, red flag from the NCAA. So we'll see how sustainable their their NIL path to building a team is, but uh, definitely not the UVA way. I'll just say that. <laughs> but um, yeah, without further ado, for the, for the all ACC teams, we had Isaiah Wong, Armando Baycott, Tyree Appleby, Hunter Tyson, Jamarius Burton as the first team, second team, Kyle Filipowski, Terquavion Smith, Jarkel Joyner, Jordan Miller, Blake Hinson, third team, Norchad O'Mear, PJ Hall, Kihei Clark, Jesse Edwards, Ree Speakman, and then honorable mention is obviously a bunch of names, but the one UVA name that came up there was Jaden Gardner. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at for all ECC teams. And Kari, I, like most UVA fans – had some thoughts to say the least about how this played out but um i'll let you take it away um first
0: all right so to start with the whole picture i think the teams were pretty solid um isaiah wong first teamer without a doubt baycott first teamer tyree appleby first teamer hunter tyson first teamer jamarius burton questionable but right at that like probably one two cut line. same with kyle filipowski draquavion smith i think he belonged in like one of those first two teams jarkel joiner i think he's really made a name for himself of late it felt like he was always that number two punch alongside draquavion smith but it feels like this season towards the end maybe it was like the last like five or six games it started to become like a 1a 1b instead of batman robin so um, I don't think he deserved to be second team, but we'll see. Jordan Miller, he had a great year and the stats were awesome. Blake Henson, similar. Um, this is where it's it actually a little murky for me. Um, you get down to third team, North O'Meara, PJ Hall, Kihei, Jesse Edwards, Reese Beekman. Um, my biggest complaint I named three players from Miami. That had more points before I got to a single UVA player who tied. There was a tweet going around. I forgot who it came from, but it has never happened where a team has won the ACC and not had a player on the first or second team in the like end of season voting. It was also great to see Reese getting third team. I honestly think Reese deserved third team this season. I thought I'd expect to see Reese on honorable mention. Um, I say that after he comes off of scoring 15 points, but luckily NCAA tournament, ACC tournament, don't really count a ton for your accolades before they even happen. So, but I didn't think he deserved to be third team. Jaden Gardner getting honorable mention was awesome, but I think the biggest omission was where was Armand Franklin? He played really well on defense this season. He was our leading scorer. I believe he was second in rebounding for the team leading from up there for three point percentage just overall you can go across the box scores you can go across the stats and then um Armand Franklin was just absolutely incredible. You saw the way he would get some of those buckets, really tough finishes at the rim, huge threes, just really versatile player and really stepped up this year. And I was really shocked to see that he didn't get a single point or I guess enough points to crack a threshold to get into that honorable mention over guys like Caleb Love or RJ Davis or DJ Burns, where it's like this guy won the ACC should have probably been getting some votes in there. And then even like, Quinn and post who was incredible for Boston college did play a smaller sample size of games, uh, which I go against my earlier points. We had an episode where I said Quinn and post, if the awards are based only off ACC games, uh, he definitely deserves to be in there, but there's a lot of names where I thought that, um, Armand Franklin deserved to be shown there and not some of these others. But what were your thoughts, Sean, before I go more on my tie
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So, yeah, first off, I think the cutoff to get
1: honorable mention is 20 total vote points. And the way the voting is done is you get five points for a first-team vote, three points for a second-team vote, and one point for a third-team vote. So, yeah, for your name to appear in honorable mention, you have to have at least 20 total vote points, and Armand did not hit that. So, yeah, I guess um, take a step back, like from the UVA guys – kind of my prediction or what I expected to see with these results is I, I thought that Kihei might end up on the second team and I thought that Armand Franklin might end up on the third team. I thought that Reese Beekman and Jaden Gardner would both likely be honorable mention so it was a bit of a pleasant surprise to see Reese Beekman get um, named third team. That was maybe slightly higher than I expected him to be placed Obviously, we all love Reese's, you know, natural talent, but he isn't always the most assertive with his offensive game. But maybe the the defensive side of the ball uh, was taken into consideration with that voting. You know, it was a really competitive year, so it's hard to, you know, say a certain guy should come off the second team list. But I personally thought Kihei may have been deserving of second team. And then similar to you, Armand Franklin was just a, a totally egregious uh, omission, if you ask me. I think at a minimum, he's got to be honorable mention. Like, to think he he somehow didn't end up with t- 20 vote points, whereas a guy like Caleb Love did, who's extremely inefficient, that was kind of hard for me to justify and see. Um, so, yeah, I thought Armand Franklin got snubbed, um, and I thought Kihei was maybe slightly underrated while Reese may have slightly gotten the benefit of the doubt and then I felt Jaden Gardner was was properly placed Um, I was a bit surprised to see RJ Davis so low for UNC as well he only had 26 vote points so he almost didn't even show up on our honorable mention either but um, he's probably a name that I would not have been surprised to see on you know third team so but yeah you know it's nitpick and and poke holes and these selections but they're imperfect so
0: yeah I think the common theme though is just there's just been a trend of disrespect for UBA this season and then really hoping able to just close up strong one to just show the national media that won the ACC is a better conference than it's been um, described this past year. It is a down year, but it is not deserving the dirt that is being thrown on the ACC's name. UVA does not deserve the dirt that's being thrown on them. We had a bad stretch against Louisville and a bad, bad loss against Boston College, but besides that, there's no bad losses for this team outside of outside of those poor stretches. And then we're not a team that's going to go out and like blow out a bunch of teams. Like we play a low possession game, so like what might be a thirty point blowout for UNC could be a fifteen point win for UVA. And Ken Palm doesn't necessarily love that or other ones. But then again, like Ken Palm and Net had Saint Mary's is a top ten team all year long, and that's just not a factual thing either. So just hoping that we can get some more respect for the Who's name. And then looking forward to tomorrow. Um, I think our game against Clemson. Clemson, Uh, it is. They haven't won yet, but during the recording of this podcast, they started waxing NC State again. I don't know what happened, but uh, they are just absolutely bringing it to the Wolfpack. So, uh, not great for us in terms of net ranking, in terms of victories there. But good for Clemson. Either way, we'll get up for another win against them. But, Sean, I know it's almost midnight for the two of us, so – any final thoughts on the ACC roster? Any closing parting words?
1: Yeah, just, uh, you know, love this time of year. Obviously, March Madness is the greatest sporting event of the year, but got to give Conference Championship Week some love as well. You know, I love seeing all the mid-majors play and, and clinch bids and buzzer beaters. And, you know, for me, Championship Week is the signal that the fun is is here and arrives. So, so, yeah, uh, great pod. Um, let's definitely get a pod in early next week before the NCAA tournament starts. Would uh, love to talk about the who's path and, and our chances and then maybe even make some, some Final Four picks and whatnot. So let's definitely do this again next week.
0: All right, man. Sounded good to me. My final words. The only things that are just as great is uh, tournament week in all of March. Champ week's excellent but I'm a big fan of coaching carousel did not realize Mike Bray is leaving Notre Dame, but he's not retiring. He is just moving on for Notre Dame. So someone is going to get a high quality coach, Georgetown, finally let go of Patrick Ewing, um, a sad, sad story there of him being the hero, but, uh, not being the prodigal son to return and save the program. So coaching carousel, Chris Beards somehow got a chance to get a job at Old Miss. So, uh, While well, all the teams playing are a lot of fun to watch, the coaching carousel, I think, is just as exciting to pick up. So, really, this time of year is just the greatest. The off season and then just wrapping things up with the postseason. So, yeah, we'll close it at that. And then our usual saying, uh, as always, go Hoos. Go Hoos. See you all soon. Give us a five-star on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast, and show us some love. Talk to you all soon.